is a way maker. Because if you've had anything to do with meeting Jesus and Jesus is coming to your life, how many of you here knows that Jesus makes a difference? Amen? And you know, things are different today. Not for the better. But I'm going to tell you, I want to talk to you about something God put on my heart this week out of nowhere. He just dropped this in my lap. And it got in my head and I couldn't get it out. Next thing I know, it was in my spirit. And I got in the Word, and I mean, God gave me this message in less than 15 minutes, probably. And I just want to share with you something today. That if Jesus lives in you, you've already known the difference He can make. You see, the, the problem, the thing that we need more than anything else, is that we need more of Jesus. There's not a problem, there's not a trouble, there's not a need in this room or even in this whole world that a one-time, good, true encounter with Jesus can't make a difference with. And I don't know about y'all, our God is a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He, he is a God who is a light in the darkness. And friends, if you look around, we're in darkness, but I'm here to tell you there's a light. And his name is Jesus. And I want to talk to us about him this morning for a little while. And if you've got your Bible, you can turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 8. To the Gospel of John chapter 8, and we'll get on that in a minute. But you know, as you look around today, it's hard to believe that Jesus can make a difference. How many of you would be honest enough to say that? You've had something happen in your life. It may be a physical sickness. It may be a financial problem. It may be a troubled relative. <laughs> but it's every day, and it's there. And you get to the point you don't believe that there is a difference, that there's nothing that can change it. Well, guys, today we live in a time and we live in a world where they promise us a whole lot, but they really produce a little. Modern man has made great leaps toward progress with his inventions and all of our technology. But I want to ask you this morning, are we really better for it? If modern progress has made us better human beings, why do we still have so many problems? Why are there so many troubles? We hear these people who say, oh, if you just let us do what we want to do, we can make this world into a utopia. We can fix it. We can make it all go away. But as the advancements of knowledge and modern technology continue to increase, mankind, his problems continue to get worse and worse and worse. I don't know what you see, but when I look around, things don't look better than they used to be. They look worse than they used to be. So if we're getting smarter and we're more intelligent and we're more enlightened, why aren't we making life on earth better than it is? Why is there still war? Why is there still crime? Why is there still all the things that we hear every single day? You see, if you don't believe me that things are getting worse, the report of the Daily News confirms every day that mankind is overwhelmed with problems and full of troubles. Can I get an amen? If you ain't got troubles today, don't worry, your turn will come. Because, you know, it's not only the news that confirms it. When I look into this Bible and I read men like Job, Job said, man who is born of a woman is a few days on the earth and full of trouble. Doesn't take us long to find trouble, do we? Sometimes I think trouble finds us. But you know what? He also said in chapter 5, for affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble spring up from the ground, yet man is born in trouble. 
You see, there's a lot of people blaming our trouble on things and on places and objects. But friends, trouble comes from us. <laughs> we are the problem. Listen to what David said. David said, trouble and anguish had overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. He says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me, O Lord. He says, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Friends, I want to talk to us today about Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus who made a difference in people's life the way they changed their names. He took an old rugged fisherman with a big mouth named Simon and turned him into the Apostle Peter. He took a sinning tax collector named Levi and turned him into the Apostle Matthew. He took an old religious, legalistic, judgmental Pharisee named Saul and turned him into Paul, the apostle. And he's the same God today. If you ever meet him, he will make a difference in your life. If you ever let him into your home, he will make a difference in your family. If he ever comes into your marriage, he will make a difference in your marriage. If he ever shows up in the church house, he will make a difference in the church house. If we ever get him in the White House and in the courthouse and in the Senate house, he will make a difference there too. Can I get an amen? The question today, though, is he made a difference in you? Is he making a difference in your marriage and in your family? Because if you ever meet him, he has promised he makes a difference. And the testimony of Scripture and the testimony of the body of Christ, the true church, is that he makes a difference. We met him one day when we were in the process of getting a divorce. She didn't want to have nothing to do with me, and I couldn't convince her anymore to come back. We was already getting a divorce, but Jesus showed up. And I want to tell you, he makes a difference. The darker it is, the brighter his light. The more you think there is nothing that can make a difference, the more he is able. And the amazing thing is not is he, is, is he only able, he's willing. He can make a difference in your problem today. He can make a difference in your marriage. He can make a difference in your family. He can make a difference wherever we allow him to be who he says he is. And friends, today I want us to look at something. Jesus makes a difference. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, that's if you're saved, you're in Christ, amen? If you've been born again, if you have come to Jesus and you've confessed your sin and you've repented of that sin and come with a humble heart and put saving faith in Jesus, he's called you in. He says, come to me, all of those who are weak and heavy laden. He says, everyone's welcome, whosoever comes. If you come to Jesus with a genuine heart and true faith, my friend, you're in Christ. You're in his grace, amen? And he says that if you ever come to Christ, you are a new creature, a new creation. You're not like you used to be. You're different. Now, friends, I want to ask you something. How many of you here can say amen? And it ain't just something coming out of your mouth. It's something coming from your heart because you're different since Jesus saved you. You're different since he come into your home. Your marriage is different since he's the Lord. He's up. It's you and then your spouse and you. Friends, I want to tell you something today. The Bible says, according to the Apostle Paul, and if anyone ever knew about how different Jesus makes your life than religion, it was Paul. He said, man, if anybody come to Christ, if any man be in Christ, 
He is a new creation. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Past tense. The King James, the other translation says, all things have passed away. All things have become new. Friends, when Jesus comes into your life, it is impossible for you not to be changed. I'm a firm believer, no change, no Jesus. Because Jesus is God. He's the the Messiah sent from heaven to what? Save us. And friends, I want you to think about this. It is biblically impossible to receive Jesus as your Savior and it not make a difference. You can't be lost in sin one day, totally in darkness, blind, spiritually dead, without any life of God in you, isolated, separated, an alien from the kingdom of God, in the world, in the, under the power of Satan a total victim of the flesh, the fallen nature that we inherited from Adam. And it not make you different when you meet Jesus. Way too many people claim him, but there ain't no difference. And I want you to think about this. The difference Jesus makes when you look in the Bible is undeniable, undisputable, beyond question. Everywhere Jesus went, he made a difference. He did miracles. After miracles, he changed life after life. He found people who were prostitutes, who were consumed and who were filled with demons. And Jesus was able to take away those demons. He was able to free them from lives of prostitution. He was able to go to the drunkards and free them and to the tax collectors that would let him. You know, the only people Jesus didn't make much of a difference in? Religious people the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. He made all kind of difference in the people out there in the world who was being consumed and hammered by the darkness of Satan. But in the house of God, where he went to the temple, he didn't make a difference at all because they didn't want to have a difference. They were complacent. I ask myself sometimes, could we be comfortable? Could we be complacent just to be in church and have what we have and not really want to be different? Because the God that I read about in my Bible named Jesus, he takes bad men and makes them good. He takes good men and he makes them better. He takes the better of men and he makes them holy. He makes a difference in their lives when he comes into our hearts. And friends, today I I want us to look on three points. and We're going to preach this out. In Jesus, not in Jesus. What I like about Jesus, it's light and dark. It's life and death. It's saved and lost. There ain't no in-between. When the light comes on, the darkness must flee. You can't have darkness and light in the same room. They're incompatible. They're diametrically opposed to one another. And friends, you can't have Jesus and be in Jesus and be no different than the world. You can't say you're in Jesus and you think you're going to heaven and you're no different. There's never been a difference made in your life. It's impossible. And the more I read and studied, the more impossible I've seen that grace doesn't just save you and forgive you and leave you in sin. Grace changes you. Grace frees you. Grace makes you different. And friends, today, if you're in Jesus, you have the light of God. The Bible says that he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what Peter said happened to him. The Bible speaks of the world as dark 
as spiritually dead, as no life of God, separated. Only people who have the life and the light of God in them is the people who've come to Jesus. Can I get an amen? I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 8. To the Gospel of John chapter 8. We'll only turn twice. We'll also look at Ephesians. If you go by there, stop and hold that place. But friends, when Jesus was in the world, Jesus was in a confrontation with some religious men. They were religious leaders. They were Pharisees and Sadducees, and they were lawyers. That meant they were professionals and understood the Bible better than anybody else. And they found a woman who was in adultery, and they brought her before Jesus. And the Bible says that they brought her before Jesus to trick him and to test him and to try to catch him doing something that they could hold against him. And they said, Jesus, Moses says this woman should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus bent down, wrote something on the ground. He got up and he says, He of you without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says they went to dropping their rocks and they all walked out because there's only been one ever got on this earth that made a footprint that was different enough, that was holy enough, that really had the ability to judge. I love what Brother Dennis says sometimes when he looks at this passage. He said, the one who could have judged them wouldn't and the ones who wanted to judge him And then Jesus says what I want us to look at. He looks right at him and he knows this is going to fire him up. (laughs) And Jesus tells him, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then here they go trying to catch him still. And there's a confrontation. And Jesus is confronting them head on, man, and they're trying to trip Jesus up, and Jesus is constantly making them look bad. (laughs) And Jesus didn't just tell them that he's the light of the world. Jesus showed them he was the light of the world. As you was to read all of chapter 8, it finally gets to the end of chapter 8 from this confrontation. Right after Jesus told them, I am the light of the world, when you get to the second to last two verses, verses 58 and 59, look at what it says. It says in verse 57, the Jews said to Jesus, you are not even 50 years old yet. Have you seen Abraham? (laughs) And here he is again. Jesus said to them, most surely I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And look at what it says. So they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, And so passed by. Now as he's going out of the temple, he just told them, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's seeing a blind man, born from birth, blind. Now if you don't think he can make a difference, this man has never seen anything in his entire life. He'd never seen his mama. He had never seen his father. He had been to church at this temple probably every day of his life begging alms. He probably knew people probably by the way they sound when they walked by, by their voice. But people probably blessed him all the time. That's why he was there. But he had never seen any of them. And then Jesus shows up one day 
And I don't know about y'all, but when I look at chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Boy, how much worse a problem could you have than to be blind from birth? You can't see anything, so that means you're not able to do anything, but pretty much let someone lead you, sit you there at the temple where people are going out who hopefully love God enough, who have enough of God in their heart that when they see you, they'll bless you and give you some mercy. And he's just sitting there. That's his life. Doesn't say how old he is, but he was grown. And Jesus looks at him. And you know, when Jesus comes by and he passes by, he sees you're different. He sees what you need. He knows everyone who's blind. He knows those who are deaf. He knows those who are lame. For friends, I don't know if you have figured this out yet, but physically we may see, physically we may hear, physically we may all can walk, but the Bible says spiritually we're all born blind. We're all born deaf, and we're all born lame. None of us in the condition we're born in can walk with God. None of us in the condition you inherited when you were given life that come from Adam and Eve can hear God. You can hear about God. You can hear and understand some things, but you can't hear God to the point you can understand him till he enlightens you, till he helps you. And friends, the Bible says that we're all blind, that we're all born in darkness, that it's as if a veil is over our face, Paul says in Corinthians just like Moses put a veil over his face when he came down off the mountain because of the glory of God that was on him and he come back down and they seen it when he had the Ten Commandments but he noticed that it began to fade. And so he put a veil over him when he'd go out to the people so they wouldn't notice that the glory was fading from his face. Listen how Paul talks about our blindness. You can hold here or you can turn with me but we're going right back. But listen what Paul says. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, which was the glory of God on him. And he says, but their minds, that's Israel's minds, were blinded. For in this, until this very day, the same veil, that's a blindfold, remains unlifted. In the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is only taken away in Christ. That's what Paul said. That blindfold that's over the Jew who can't see Jesus as Messiah, who can't see Jesus as the Son of God, who won't look at the miracles and the life that he lived and the truth that he taught, and they're so blind, it's like he said there's a blindfold over them. Listen to what he goes on and says. He says, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies over Israel's heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Can you remember when Jesus took the blindfold off? And just like that man that was born blind, for the first time you seen the way God wanted you to see. You've seen Jesus for who he is. You've seen the Bible. You could hear like you've never heard. Listen what he goes on and says. This is unbelievable. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And if you're in Christ, you're in the Spirit. 
He's put the Spirit in you. And listen to what he says. But we all with an unveiled face, a face that the blinder has been taken off of, are beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed. Tell me that ain't a difference. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. God gave you eyes to see, to see Jesus for who he is. And then as a mirror, he lets you see that every time you're in the Word, every time you hang out with Jesus, and he's transforming us into that same, that's a difference. Can I get an Amen? Why don't we have it happening in us? We look so much more like the world than we do Jesus. When the Bible says that when he takes off the veil, we can now see. And where the Spirit of God is, Jesus is. And where Jesus is, the Spirit is. And there's freedom, there's liberty. Listen to what else he goes on and says. He says, but even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. And while they are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded. Friends, everybody outside of Christ, the God of this age, the devil, has spiritually blinded them and he spends every day of his existence with every ability of his power to keep them in the dark, blinded from the light of the gospel but they never see the glory of God so that they stay that way. He'll give you all the religion, all the church. He'll give you all the praying, all the Bible studies you can get to as long as you don't get to Jesus. As long as you never truly get saved. As long as you never see the light. And friends, look at what he says here. He says, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness who has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And we have this treasure in these earthen vessels so that the power of God is what they see and not us. And friends, you know the difference that Jesus makes when that has happened to a person? And that's what Paul says happens to us when we're saved. He says we're hard-pressed maybe, but he says, but we're never crushed. He says we're perplexed, but yet we're not in despair. He said, we're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but that's a different animal. That's a new creature. That's a new creation. You know what? I look at that, and I look at all the times I've been in despair, but something made a difference. (laughs) I look at all the times I was perplexed, and I didn't understand it. Why are you letting this problem happen? Why is this going on in my life, Jesus? Why don't you just make it go away? but I never got to despair. You know, it's amazing the difference Jesus makes when he's in your heart, when he shows you the light. And friends, in the darkness, you need a light. Can I get an amen? And friends, listen, this old boy here was in darkness. He'd been born that way. Look back at with me in chapter 9. It says, when Jesus passed by, he seen this man. And the apostles, and they asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither his man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And look at what he says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he has said these things, now, he's just telling everybody, I'm the light of the world. He's telling them. 
God did this so the works of God can be revealed. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he takes some spit and he spits on the ground. (laughs) And he takes the dirt and he makes some clay with his saliva. And he anoints the eyes of that blind man. He rubbed it in his eyes. That's a crazy thing, ain't it? That blind man was in trouble. He was in deaf need. He let him do it. And here he is, he, he does it. But he didn't just make it all go away. He told him, now I've done this. Now you go do this. He said, you go to the pool named Salome, which is the pool called Scent, because I'm sending you there. And you go wash. And when you wash, you will see. You know, can you imagine as he's blind, he's telling somebody because he couldn't go find his way there. Jesus just, this man Jesus, this prophet, whoever he is, he just anointed my eyes and he told me if I'll go to the pool of Siloam, if I'll wash, I'll be able to see. Will you bring me down there? Sit back down and ask for money. Are you crazy? God can't do that. Nobody can do that. It don't make sense. Wash it in the pool. Get that dirt out your eye. Wipe yourself off. No. Bring me. I believe him. I'm desperate enough to try it. Remember when you got desperate enough to try Jesus? Remember how foolish it used to think about getting washed in the blood? (laughs) How can the blood of a Jew crucified 2,000 some years ago make a difference in my life? Well, all I know is one day I tried it and I've been different ever since. Can y'all get an amen? It don't make sense to the man in darkness, to the lost, dying world. So he goes and he washes and when he gets up, he can see. Lord, what a difference it makes when we can see. Can I get an amen? He was so different that as soon as he got back, the people said, ain't that him who was sitting around begging? Well, it looks like him, but certainly it can't be him. He can see. People look at us when we get saved. You've been in addictions. You've been abused. You've been a victim. You've been the person that everybody's give up on so many long time ago that said there's nothing can make a difference in his life. And then one day we come to Jesus and he sets us free and he gives us eyes to see and he washes up and our guilt and our shame is gone and we're different. And all of a sudden people begin to look at you. What's he doing at church? Who's he thinking he can come here every time the door's open? He's taking off. He's full of Jesus. I wish he'd put his hands down. I wish he'd quit being such a distraction because he's all excited because God's done something to him. You know who got upset? Not the tax collectors, and not the sinners and the harlots. You know who got upset when they found out he got his sight back? The Pharisees, the church. They went to him and said, Who did this to you? I don't know, but he said his name is Jesus. What did he do? He put spit in my eyes. He wiped it on me and told me to go wash. And when I washed, I can see. Who do you think he is? I think he's a prophet. This man ain't a prophet. He ain't of God. God don't do that. All I know is I was blind and now I see. All I know is I used to be dirty and I've been clean. I couldn't see and now I see. Hallelujah, praise God. And friends, listen, once he gives you light to see, Jesus said, if you follow me, 
You won't have to walk in darkness anymore. You won't have to stay blind. I'll take the veil off. I'll remove the blindfold. I'll open your eyes. And then when you do, I'll give you the light of life. Do you know that light always comes before life? That without light, nothing can grow. Nothing can live. If you go back to Genesis, it says in the beginning, in the beginning, let me go back and read it to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and it was void, it was empty, and darkness was on the face of the deep. There was no life, there was nothing here, there was not even land. There was nothing but water, and it was void, and it was dark. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of those waters. Before God made land and separated the water, before God did anything, do y'all know what the first thing God did? Before he made an animal, before he made a plant, he said, let there be light. First thing he spoke into existence. Because life cannot live in darkness. As long as you're in darkness, you'll never have spiritual life in you. You'll never grow spiritually. As long as you allow darkness to coexist, it's going to mess up the light. That's why you got to walk in the light and let the light shine and lead you. Remember that old song we used to sing? Hank Williams wrote it. I hope he's saved. I'll be glad to see him in heaven. Some people say, ain't no way I'd sing that song. That drunk Hank Williams wrote that. He ain't no Christian. All I know is he wrote it. I might not agree with how he lived, but I don't agree with how I live. Amen? (laughs) But I do agree with what he said. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness. No more night. Do you remember when that happened? You see, once that happens, then now life can begin to happen in your life. You see, if you put something in the dark, it won't sprout. It won't grow. You see, right after he made light, he made land. And then after he made land, he made the grass and everything that grows with a seed. And then after he made the light, he filled the oceans with the sea creatures and an abundance of things that swim. And then after he had made the light, then he was able to inhabit the earth with all of the cattle and the creatures. Aren't you glad he did that, Brother Dennis? No cattle, what would Brother Dennis do? But he inhabited the earth, and then he made us. Do you know science even agrees that if the sun went out, we'd all die? If they took you, even if the sun came shining and locked you up, you'll become unhealthy if you don't have the sun. you got to have light. We was at a, school, at a, a church, and we was teaching Awana, and this old boy, he thought he had this wonderful object lesson to teach the kids on Awana night, and he had him all these different plants. And he had some that had an apple on, and he had one that had a peach, and he had brought all of them up there, and he asked all them kids. He said, what kind of tree is this? That's an apple tree. Amen, that's an apple tree. How do you know it's apple? Because it's got an apple on it. What kind of tree is this? That's a peach tree. Woo, all them little kids, he had them all pumped up. He was just like, oh, I'm fixing to break. I'm going to blow them away. I'm fixing to blow their mind. He said, do y'all know what kind of tree this is? They said, no, we don't know because it don't have anything on it. It don't have any fruit. And Jesus said, you'll know the tree by its fruit. And he says, you know what? What do we need to do? They said, you need to water it. You need to plant it. 
You need to help it grow. Why? So that we can see what kind of tree it is. He said, oh, man, this is going so good. And then he got to mess with, with Dr. Beasley's little homeschool kid, super nerd. And he told Dr. Beasley's little kid, what do you think would happen to this tree if I took it and locked it up in a closet and turned the light out and left it in the dark? The little kid stood up and he said, it would die because without the sun, proto photosynthesis would not be able to occur. Therefore, life cannot exist. And that guy went to a six-old. But guys, that was so true. You see, to have life, we got to have light. And Jesus is the light. And when Jesus comes into your life, he brings the light that brings life. And friends, I want you to think about this. No light, you ain't in Jesus. And if you're in life, you're going to have light. I want you to look at what Jesus says. Paul said that in you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Who's he talking about? The Ephesian church, Christians. You see, because you had no light, there was no Jesus, there was no truth, there was no gospel to bring you to that place where he could save you, you were spiritually dead. And you didn't have to do anything to get like that. You were born like that. And just like there was nothing you can do to keep that from happening to you because you were not a sinner because you sinned. You sinned because you are a sinner. I used to talk to the Catholics when we were down there in South Louisiana and I'd go knock on their door and I'd say, I'm brother so-and-so, I'm from the Baptist church. Oh, I was born a Catholic. I said, no, you wasn't born a Catholic. You was born a sinner. No, I'm born a Catholic. But friends, I want to tell you something. Everybody born on this earth, outside of Jesus, is born a sinner. You don't have to teach a child how to get in trouble. <laughs> Lord knows we've been trying to teach some how not to get in trouble. And it ain't an easy job, is it? Friends, I want you to understand something. That, that little baby, from the first cry, is born in sin. And as he grows, sin, nature, in him, and we are spiritually dead just as much as a dead man. You've been to a funeral lately? A funeral, when you go to that man, he can do nothing for himself anymore. One day, we're going to die. If I die that morning, I got up this morning, I got up, got me a cup of coffee, read my Bible a little while, went over my message, went got in the shower, got up, went in the closet, picked out what clothes I want to wear. Told Diane, I'm going to church in my truck. I'll see you when you get there. Drove myself to church. Got out. Walked into the church with my key. Opened my church office door. Sat at my desk. <laughs> Said, good morning, Lord. Opened up my computer and began to prepare to preach my message to you people. But one day... Somebody else is going to pick out what clothes I wear. Somebody else is going to drive me to church. And it ain't going to be in my truck because Diane's probably going to give it to one of them boys if they'll pay the note off. And I'm not going to get to go into my office anymore. And I'm not going to get to sit in my spot. Everybody knows that's my spot. Now, I'll let you sit next to me this morning. Just like all of y'all. But one day, if you have a church funeral, you ain't driving to church that day no more either. You know why? You're dead. You can't do nothing. 
You can't do things that life gives you the ability to do. Guess what? Just as that's true physically, that's true spiritually. That's why some of you can't pray. That's why some of you can't understand the Bible. That's why some of you can't have a real relationship with Jesus to where you are in him and he's in you because you've got to have life to have a relationship. And friends, if you enter into this relationship that Paul's talking about, if you want to turn there with me, go ahead. Listen to what he says. It makes a difference when Jesus makes you alive when you've been dead in your sin. And everybody's born dead in trespass and sin. Just like everyone's going to die. And listen to what he says there. This is so good. What a difference Jesus makes. He says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of the world. See, when we were dead in sin, we walked like everybody else in sin. We walked just like everybody else in the world who are all dead in sin, who all have no spiritual life, who have no life. Look at what he says. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Friends, listen. We once were controlled. We didn't get to do everything we wanted to do. We didn't get to do everything the way we... We, we knew what we ought to do, maybe. But we weren't able to do it, were we? Because we were just like all the rest. We were sons of disobedience. That's the spirit that was in us. That's what it says right there. It says that when you were dead in your trespass and sins, you walked according to the course of the world. You walked and lived according to the prince of the power of the air, the devil. You, the spirit of, that worked in you was one of the sons of disobedience. Look at verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Did you notice the three things that he says controlled us? The world, the devil, and the flesh. The only thing that can overcome the world that we live in, the devil that has you and don't want to let you go, and the old nature of the flesh that's controlling you is Jesus. God. He has to put life into you to give you that. That's what being born again is. That's what being filled with the Spirit is. Baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's God's life in us. And listen to what he says right there. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath just as all the others. Everyone outside of Jesus, my friend, is in darkness and they're dead. And they're lost. They're lost. That's why we're, it's important what we do. You see, most of us come today, and the most important thing was, I hope he'll preach something that'll pet me up. I hope he'll encourage me today. He's been kind of down, and I'm been kind of... I hope I hear something that's going to make me feel good. I hope he'll make me feel spiritual. Guys, it's wonderful that we come, and we should get the blessed. Amen? We should encounter Jesus. But friends, I want you to think about this. Look at what he says when you get down to chapter 2. I mean, to the bottom of this. God did this for us. It's an amazing thing. He says in verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And look at what he says. By grace you have been saved. 
Friends, the Bible says there is no other name given under heaven and earth by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father. He means saving grace, connected and reconciled with the Father, but through me. No one's getting there through church and religion and being halfway good. No one's getting there because he got baptized. They're getting there because they were in Christ, and Christ was in them. And Christ makes a difference when he's in us. How can you look at just what we looked at here this morning? We could go on and on. I almost wanted to preach a series, but I felt God not leading me there. We got other stuff that I'm wanting to work at now. But look at what he goes on and says. He says, even when we were dead in trespassing sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together, and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why did he do that? Look at verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God's kind enough that he sent Jesus. He loves us enough that he let Jesus die. It's in Jesus and through Jesus that we have salvation. That's why he said, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. God's workmanship that he creates in us in Christ Jesus is for good works that he prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Friends, God expects, God even demands that you be different when he saves you with the blood of his son Jesus. And if Jesus comes into your life, it's going to be different. I don't know about you, but God, Diane, am I different? I ain't different enough, but I'm different enough than I used to be she's different you know what being married to her a second time is different than being married to her the first time and we only had a six-month intermission what could happen in six months that could change the first time you were married and make it different the second time you was married because during that six months she got saved and I got saved. And Jesus came into our marriage. And when he came into our marriage, he came into our home. And when he came into our home, by the grace of God, nothing we can say we've done, but let Jesus have our life. He got into our boys. He got into our family. He got into friends. He got into us so much, he said, I think I'm going to put you in the church. I don't know why to this day he would call me to do what I do. But he did, because our Jesus makes a difference when he comes into a person's life. And I'm here to tell you that 30, a little over 30 years ago on June the 9th, me and her got married the first time, and we went eight years. And boy, I was a drunk and a dopehead, and I loved to party, and I was all about Marvin. It was all about having fun. And this woman put up with me. And she became my crutch. She became the one who watched after me. She took my mama's place. And after eight years, she asked me one day, are you ever going to change? What she actually meant is things ever going to be different? <laughs> and you can ask, I told her, I ain't changing. I don't want it different. <laughs> this is the way I've always been. I ain't changing. She said, well, I ain't staying here much longer. I can't count 
on one hand, five weekends, you ain't got drunk and partied in eight years of marriage. I said, oh, you crazy woman. I was like, she was right. I come home one day and she was gone. And everything that I thought mattered all of a sudden began to be different. <laughs> it began to change. She got saved about three months. She was checking on me, calling on me. She said, would you have lunch with me? I hadn't seen her but a few times, and it would always end up in an argument. It always, I'd get mad because I blamed her, and she blamed me. She said, I don't want to, I just want you to come have lunch with me. I sat down at a table, and before the meal was over, God strike me dead if I'm lying. The thing that was in my heart was, she is different. That ain't the woman left me. She's different. And, and she said, Marvin, I figured out it ain't all your fault. The reason our marriage failed is because we didn't have Jesus. If you would get Jesus, I love you. We could fix this. I looked at her and laughed in her face and said, Jesus is a crutch for weak people. I tried that. That don't work. And I left her crying. But you know what? She went to a church that was full of the Holy Ghost and Jesus and got on an altar with a bunch of people there, told them about me, and they went to praying. And things began to get different. She told me one day, if you'll come to church, if you just come meet all my friends and be at church, you'll love it. It's so wonderful. We can get back together. So I said, man, if I go to church, I can get her back. Honest truth, I've told you, I went to church to get her back. And when I went to church that day, I was different now. Man, I had long hair, had a big, you think my beard's getting a little bushy, but I had long hair. I really look different now, don't I? <laughs> man, I had them cigarettes, I had dope under my seat. We got up the next that, that Sunday, we went to church, and when we went in that church, before I got to the front, I was about to hyperventilate. I wasn't in my territory. But those people started coming up to me. Hey, Marvin, we've heard, we love you. We love your wife. We're so glad you're here. I went home that night and I said, Lord, I, I, I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to make things different. <laughs> and I really meant it. I worked out my plan. I got to meet the preacher. I knew what to tell the preacher. I knew enough about church. I'm backslidden. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. Well, she tells me you drink. I drink a little still. She tells me you smoke weed. Oh, just a little bit. Diane, are you sure you want to marry him? Because when you marry him this time, you're a Christian. You, you can't leave him again. Do you trust him? And she said, I don't trust him, but I trust Jesus, Brother Dusty. And I want to marry him again. And he says, well, I'm going to marry him. The only thing I can say about him, he's honest. And he married us. And she moved back in my house. And I thought it was going to be like it used to be. But oh, how different it was when a new creature moved in with an old creature. And my church and my religion and my going on Sunday and my lying, fake, hypocrite wasn't enough. And I knew I was hurting her. I could see the pain because she was different, but I wasn't except that I went to church on Sunday. And one Sunday I went to the altar because I'd been seeing people do it, and I meant it with all my heart. I'm going to make it different, Jesus. If you'll make my marriage the way it used to be, I'll quit drinking. Didn't tell her it would have been a waste of my time. 
I got up and I went and sat back down. I didn't feel no different. <laughs> I went to work that Monday. Didn't seem no different. I was thinking about it. And about Thursday, I was off on Thursday. I didn't have to work on Friday. I ran into two of my buddies. I went over to the barn. I smoked me a big old fat one. They had a bunch of beer. I drank me enough to get loose, and on the way home, I bought me some more, and I got drunk. When she came home that night from work, I felt so bad. I felt so guilty. I had been putting mouthwash and putting stuff in my eyes. She come in. How you doing? I got your supper. Let me get you something to drink. Here's the guy. She's taking care of me. I'm thinking, boy, she just cussed me out like she used to. I sure feel better. I didn't like that different. But you know what? Somewhere within a week or two, I said, Lord, I don't want to be like this anymore. If you can't make me real, if you can't make me, I believe you said you died for me, you'll save me, and all I can tell you is what I know happened to me. I came home. I was so tired of Marvin. I was so desperate for something to change that I just knelt in the couch cushion and I cried and I cried. I had a snot slinger. You ever had one? I mean, they were sitting on the couch. It was all over. I had tears. I can remember seeing wet in the couch cushion. And I got up. I mean, I knelt down and I just said, Lord, I believe that you said you'll save me. And I believe, Lord, you can change me. I didn't know what I know now, but I got up, and I want to tell you something. It was different. It's been different ever since. I never told her I quit drinking. Within a couple of weeks, about a month, she said, you ain't drank, huh? You know why I didn't tell her? It had been a waste of my breath. She went, yeah, right. You know who showed her I quit drinking? Jesus. You know why? Not because I wasn't drinking. I was different. For long, she never asked me no more about where money. She knew I wasn't buying pot. I'd done throw it all that away on my own. Didn't even tell her. Didn't throw it away because I got caught. Threw it away because I didn't want it no more. That's different. I'm here to tell you today with all of my heart, if you get into the light of Jesus and Jesus gives you the light of life and you get saved, you will be different. That's what the Bible says. So my question this night, this morning, is a simple invitation. Has Jesus made a difference in your life? Has Jesus made a difference in your marriage? Has Jesus made a difference in your home and your family? And is that difference better because of what Jesus is doing? I'm a believer with all my heart. There's not a home anywhere that Jesus can't make a difference in if you let him. There's not a marriage that he can't make a difference in if you invite him in with a genuine, real, honest heart. There's not a life here he can't save. You can say, preacher, I done tried that. It didn't change me. I done already been baptized. Pete Maravich was there in my mama's church. Mama was there. Pete Maravich was there. My home church was there, but Jesus wasn't. All I did was get wet because I wasn't ready. I didn't want the light. I didn't want the life. I just wanted to get out of my trouble. See, if you got to get out of your trouble, you got to want more than just to get out of your trouble. You got to want Jesus. And I'm asking you today, do you want Jesus? Today, if you want Jesus to make a difference, you can be a Christian and he ain't making a difference. I get in those seasons. I'm going to invite you to come and do business with Jesus. Say, Lord, take this from my life. Lord, help me. You're a way maker. You're a promise keeper. 
Lord, you're a light in the darkness. Lord, take my life. Take my life. When I look back, I got desperate enough that I was desperate enough that I said, Lord, here I am, take me. Whatever I got is yours, and he did it. That don't happen in everybody, but everybody is different after they meet Jesus. And so today, I want to invite you. I'm going to say a prayer. There's somebody in this room that you know a lot about Jesus. You, you, you're a good person, possibly. You, you, you do things that would make you look good to others, but you know is Jesus truly making a difference in your life. And I'm going to ask you to come up here. And if you need to, give your life to Jesus. There ain't a person here that's ever been made different that won't be praising God with you and for you. Don't let the devil rob you and lie to you. Come out of that darkness. Come to the light. Quit being in the death of the world and being like the world and come to Christ. And he'll save you. He won't be lost again. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Father, I said what you told me to say. I've shared as best of my ability. And Lord, I know there's a heart right now pounding because you're at work in their life trying to make a difference for them. You're trying to save somebody right now. There's somebody right now, Lord, who he knows he's not ready to meet you and stand for in eternity. That his life is undone. That he's still in sin. He's never truly been saved and born again. Lord, I pray for that person right now that you would help him to see the light and to go to the light. That you'd give him the the life that he would be able to follow you, that you'll save him, Lord, from his lostness. And Lord, for those of us who are saved, but Lord, we are not allowing you to make a difference. Lord, there's things in our life that we need to give back to you. We need to trust you with. And Lord, I'm praying that, Lord, you'll make my life so different that people will know it's you. And I pray you'll do that in every life here today. Lord, whoever it is, as they come to the altar, I pray that before they even get here, Lord, you'll touch them. I'm praying for that person right now who thinks it's too late. I've gone too far. I've waited too long. Lord, Marvin, I'm so far from God. There's no way he can make a difference. That's the person I'm praying for right now, Lord. Lord, even more than him, I'm praying for that person who thinks, I'm okay, I don't need Jesus to make a difference. I'm okay, I'm all right. I'm like the church of Laodicea, I don't need anything from you, Jesus. Because that's the worst one in this room. Lord, I don't know about my brother and sister in here, but I know I need you more this hour than I did that first. That I need your help if I'm going to be different. I need your grace and I need your mercy. And I'm asking you, Lord, to touch me. Touch this lady who's come up here. And Lord, as we pray and me and her counsel, I pray that everybody else that needs to come will come to Jesus right now. In Jesus' name.